know if it's just our moment, but we, we do tend to fetishize or, or, or just idolize like making a big difference. We want to be world changers. You know, we, um, and that just seems to be so important to us. And, and yet the, the calling of the believer in, in scripture seems to be more faithfulness longevity you know i mean to use eugene peterson's language a long obedience in the same direction um which ultimately requires a faith to go you know long after i'm gone god's gonna continue to work um it's really not about me um and so there's this call to to just steadfastness you're listening to the chopping board a weekly podcast from city life church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. All right, here we are, week of June 25th. Um, Still working through First Peter. Um, you probably had just like an easy breezy sermon this week. Um, probably weren't worried at all about offending anybody. Talking about politics, it was probably just just a run of the mill sermon, right? You know, Zach, like <laughs> legit, like oh man, I'm gonna get myself into trouble over <laughs> the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, you got politics, you got marriage, and you got servants and masters. You know, all on the calendar. In the next couple of weeks so yeah yeah it was man it was a it was a fun week of digging into the word but uh for sure felt the weight of of preaching sunday yeah these topics can be just about impossible to navigate without stepping on landmines but i thought you did an awesome job just like um i don't know slaying some idols for us and helping us um get our heads around how christians should behave politically you know think it can be easy on the one end to like you said to idolize politics and then we can also be tempted um to just put our head in the sand and remove ourselves from politics but of course you know jesus was not a politically neutral figure um so you know if someone came away from a sermon like sunday you know it'd be possible to hear uh well am i just supposed to be politically disengaged them and am i just supposed to completely remove myself from those conversations um, what would be your response be to someone who might yeah, think of it that way? I think that's a great question. I, certainly, I, I don't think the call is to political disengagement. Um, I think I think the word, you know, the the word that I was trying to communicate was just don't put all of your hope there. Mm. And I think I think one of the hard things there's a couple hard things about preaching, uh, you know, a passage that's dealing with civil authority and and, and politics. One is that you can't say everything. Um, and so, and Peter doesn't say everything, um, in, in, you know, four verses, uh, five verses, you can't say everything. And so you have to edit, uh, and and so that's hard because you kind of want to give caveat after caveat and and you just can't. Um, so that, that's challenging, um, for one, but I, but I think the other thing that's really hard is we're so far removed from the context of first century Asia minor. Um, you know, they're living under an emperor uh, and under these governing authorities where, 
these believers don't have voice. They don't have any choice. Like, there's no democracy present. You know, and we live in a nation where we do have voice. We can engage in a political process. We actually can affect law. Um, and so the call is not to political disengagement. We actually should participate in the political process convictionally as Christians um, at every level, for sure, um, you know, using our voice. Um, I, I think we get it backwards sometimes. I think we put the most emphasis at the federal level. I think we should really be doing that at the local level where we can actually enact the most change. Mm. Um, so I think we get that upside down. But, yes, yeah, certainly not a call to, to disengagement, but just a call to say, hey, don't put all of your hope in politics. Mm. Um, I, I, I think that's, that's one of the big takeaways from what Peter's saying here is that um, there is a way to, to affect change in the posture that you take toward your governing authorities and in living as, as good citizens. One of the expectations, it seems like, for Christians and for really any new religion um, in that day was that they were going to stir up trouble. Um, and so they wanted to kind of squelch any new religion because they wanted to maintain peace in the status quo. And so part of what Peter's doing is he's writing these, these ethical codes to say, Hey, here's how to engage and, and keep your faith and follow Jesus, but in a way that's not unnecessarily disruptive. Um, and, and so one of the things that Peter's saying is like, man, live Live faithfully in society. Be known for your good works. Be known for respecting authority. Um, and that's going to give you opportunity to bear witness to your faith. Mm. Yeah. So, I've been, uh, I told you, I've been on a Andy Crouch kick lately. Um, and I just heard him uh, talking on a podcast about the um, way that w- our culture in general and Christians as well um, sort of fetishize impact. Like we love this idea of making an impact and he uses the metaphor of like the sound of hands clapping. Like that's what an impact is like, because there's a fast motion and there's uh, a lot of, there's a lot going on there that creates this, this big noise Mm. when you clap your hands together. But he uses the analogy of uh, rather than seeking impact, seeking influence, which is more like hands just held together in a prayer position. Um, And Uh, I think there's something there when it comes to when we think about politics and how we engage in politics rather than seeking a lot of power so that we can have a big impact on the culture. You know, sometimes something that has a big impact can also be fleeting and be forgotten about a hundred years later versus influence. You know, if you clap your hands many times in a row and create that impact, that's not very sustainable. Your hands will hurt after about 30 seconds, Hmm. but, um, the sustainable desire of having influence. And it's at that local level, like you said, of like, um, you know, living as good citizens, it has a much more powerful, long lasting, even if it's more local and less, it makes less noise. Um, that that's actually more what Christians are called to, uh, politically, publicly as, as citizens of a nation is that influence as opposed to impact. That's so good. That is so good. Um, and I think so helpful because I do think we, 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 I don't know if it's just our nation or I don't know if it's just our moment, but we, we do tend to fetishize or, or, or just idolize like making a big difference. We yeah. want to be world changers. Yeah. You know, we, um, 
man, that just seems to be so important to us. And, and yet the, the calling of the believer in, in Scripture seems to be more faithfulness mm-hmm. and longevity. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, to use Eugene Peterson's language, a long obedience in the same direction, mm-hmm. um, which ultimately requires a faith to go, you know, long after I'm gone, God's going to continue to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really not about me. Um, and so there's this call to, to just steadfastness. Um, and I think that's hard for us because we, we, we want the instant change. I think that's why we're so easily carried away by these promises of a, of a new tomorrow through every new political leader that comes along. Mm. You know, every election cycle, you know, there are these grand promises of significant change. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're drawn to that, but as believers, it's like no, our faith is in God, who's always at work. He's constantly at work. Yeah, um, and Jesus will receive glory through the church in every generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but He's doing that in ways that we can't even see. Uh, yeah. So I think, man, that's just such a good word. Um, I think that helps us. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the pressure is off, y'all, to like, you know be a world changer and to, you know, to make a noticeable difference and you are free to simply do what Jesus is calling you to do, to walk in faithfulness and in obedience, um, in the everyday. Yeah. Um, and even if you look at the, the early church, like depending on where you, you know, uh, have the measuring stick land in history, you could easily say, well, the early church didn't have much of an impact. You know, it was a movement of, uh, I think like an early critic of Christianity, like a Greek pagan critic of Christianity said it was a religion of slaves and women and children. Mm. Uh, and that was an insult at right, the time. Right, 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 right. Uh, and, you know, like the, a, slave, uh, a slave and women religion isn't going to impact the world. That's how people saw it then. They saw it as like sort of a, uh, embarrassing little right movement uh, that would easily be squelched out. And if you were in the church at that time, that wouldn't have been a hard thing to believe that this is going to be squelched out pretty easily, right. you know, with how persecuted and, and seemingly powerless the church was at that time. And yet like, you know, then you have Tom Holland who wrote the book dominion mm-hmm. and, and he makes the point that like belief in universal human rights that we hold to today. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a modern belief that everybody holds to that mm-hmm. every life has value mm-hmm. like that comes from Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so the, the leavening of that sort of an ethic yeah. in society ultimately comes from this little religion that could have been e- easily squelched out. And I think that's the point, right? That it's in faithfulness and obedience to Jesus mm. Uh, you never know what God can do with that long term, and so the call is just faithfulness. Yeah, and so yeah, don't disengage. Um, participate in the process. I mean, we need believers to to run for office, mm. um, but we just don't need to put all of our eggs in the basket of political power. Yeah, something that this passage and that First Peter a lot in general. This word it uses is submit. And talks about submission a lot, which can be a complicated word for us. Uh, it can maybe even seem, uh, especially in, in certain contexts, it can seem 
like an, an oppressive or um, or manipulative word, and it's certainly been used that way. Um, would you talk a little bit more just about the use of that word and what it means scripturally um, versus, you know, how it's been used in the world often? Yeah, yeah, so important. You know, if you read the Bible, I think one of the realities is that you're going to come to some words, to some ideas, to some stories that are going to just seem crazy. They're going to seem bizarre. They're going to potentially be triggering. They're going to be confusing. Um, And and I think because of misuse, um, submit is one of those words that can be triggering. Um, And, you know, the Bible's been accused of being misogynistic and oppressive. um, and, And yet Peter's using this word you know, he's, I think, four times in in this section of his letter. Um, it's a big part of his his ethic. Um, and so we, we have to wrestle with it. And so one of the things that I would say to the person who's like, man, that's a, that's a hard word for me to even read or that's a hard idea for me to wrestle with is part of the work is deconstructing misuses of it. Mm. Like when we come to a word or an idea, one of the things that we need to be careful about is not immediately reading into that word um, our own understanding of it or um, a modern misuse of it, but that we go, I need to understand what he's actually saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so this idea of submit is to come under, um, it's to come underneath uh, one who who ranks uh, um, at least um, in, in... uh, structural organization above you. And so it's to put yourself willingly underneath another. Um, but, but that, it, that doesn't mean that that person is more important than you. Um, and, and certainly one of the things that Peter's going to deal with in this section of the letter is, uh, the potential abuse of that authority. Um, and he's going to deal with how should the Christian or, uh, how should the believer work through one who makes, uh, who abuses that authority. Um, and so we've got to do the work of, of, of deconstructing poor ideas about what something means and then try to understand how it's being used. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and I, I, that, I think this is just a call. You've got to read the Bible carefully um, and, and prayerfully. And, and this is where, like, it's super helpful to see how others have, have worked through it. Um, and one of the things that I tried to model Sunday um, in this sermon was Peter is not giving us an exhaustive treatment of a theology of civil authority in in this passage. And so Scripture is the best interpreter of Scripture. And so when we come to a place like this, we should see where else it, it deals with a similar idea mm. or see where else this word is used and start to try to put the pieces together. Um, so we got to zoom in and then zoom out and do intertextual work. Where else has Peter used this word? Where else have other New Testament writers used this word? And then we start to try to do a whole Bible theology um, around this idea and then start to try to draw the conclusions yeah. um, and, and, and consult people who have wrestled with this um, and read and learn from others, I think, is important too. Yeah. And something else you kind of talked about this on Sunday, but I think the version, the kind of submission that he's talking about here is not a submission that 
implies endorsement or um, just sort of passivity towards evil things. Um, you know, the government at the time was, like you mentioned, extremely tyrannical, and um, and their submission to it was not an endorsement of it, but it was a, it was rather a subversive kind of submission that was like actually ended up you know, in many ways upending that tyranny that it was submitting to. Right. Um, and I think one of the greatest examples of that, when we look at the 20th century is the civil disobedience of black Americans, mm. um, during the civil rights movement, um, which was of course, in many ways, a deeply Christian movement, right. Um, informed by, by the ethics and ideals of Christianity. And, um, when you see, you know, a, a big part of what happened in the civil rights movement is that America, white Americans saw black kids being, you know, sprayed down with hoses and attacked by German shepherds while they were peacefully, you know, they, and that was a submissive stance, that nonviolence. And yet it was subversive. It was, you know, civil disobedience. It was civil. It was um, submissive. It wasn't, um, it wasn't aggressive and yet it undermined the injustice mm. of our society, um, in a powerful way. And, um, and you mentioned like the examples of civil, civil disobedience that scripture gives us throughout, um, the story of scripture. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, just first Peter talks so much about how, about how we influence the culture around us just through the way we live. Right. You know, it talks about people coming to, to, to the gospel through the way we live. Yep. And, um, I think it's such a beautiful example of that is, is the civil rights movement and our recent history of who we are as, as Americans. Yeah. That was one of the things that I was trying to bring out in the sermon is like, there is a line, there is a line to our, to our obedience to human authority. And that line is when I, when I can no longer obey God, um, I have, I have to, to say no. Mm -hmm. Right. I I have, you know, you know, in Peter and John's language, I have to obey God rather than man. And so the fear of God is so critical as we think about submitting to human authority. Yeah. Um, we should, you know, generally what Peter's saying is we should do it. Yeah. Um, we should submit to authorities, but there comes a point to where if we submit to a human authority, we're no longer submitting to God's authority. Yeah. Um, the, the irony, the irony is that passages like first Peter two were used by advocates of slavery in the battle over slavery in the civil rights movement to say you have to submit to human authority. And so they use that against blacks Mm. to say they should submit to their authorities. And they use that against the movement to say, this is the law of the land, um, which is an abuse of scripture. Right. Um, and, and the power of what they did was that because they did it in a submissive way, because they did it in a way that put them above reproach, you know, they shouldn't have needed to, of course. Right. But because they did it in a way that put them above reproach, because it was peaceful, because it was was in this biblical sense, in this uh, subversive sense, submissive, 
Yeah, that's a demonstration to the rest of us of how to live as Christians in an oppressive society, and just right. just how um, you know. And, and we'll get to this next week, but we'll, we're about to look at a at a passage, one of these abused passages that that talks about slaves submitting to their masters. And there's a lot of history to get into, and a lot of like you said, like abuse of that passage. But um, but in that passage, he Peter actually identifies the slaves most closely with Christ, those in a position of injustice, of injustice being committed against them. He actually says, you're the most identified with the suffering, suffering servant. Yeah. Um, and, and places them, you know, you can hear the echo of Jesus's statement. The first will be last and last will be first Mm -hmm. in the way that, um, in the way that Peter identifies slaves with, with our King. Yeah. And, um, and then, in the way that um, that Christians throughout history have lived, you know, and, and especially in this example, this recent example of of civil disobedience and the civil rights movement, have lived that out. You see the power of that in our world. You used a word that I think is key, and that's you know, kind of a, a holy subversion. That it's subversive in the sense that, like, you're overthrowing actually not in this aggressive violent way but it's in in your emulation of christ in your fearing of god and walking in in step with him that that becomes a leavening agent Mm. in society and and um you see it you're going to see it for sure next week as servants and masters you know you suffer unjustly you do that in a christ-honoring way you're actually he says that Christ sent an example for us that we should follow. And when we participate in unjust suffering, there's a sense in which we're, we're retelling the gospel story. We're recapitulating the unjust suffering of Christ, which creates a platform for the gospel to just resound through, through those relationships and through, through society. And so that, that I, this idea of subversion um, is, is key to, to Peter's ethic. Throughout this section of the world. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.